During the whole making of X-Men and the casting of X-Men, I was there in the production office. Remember, you don't need to scream for help when Banshees are around Was it supposed to be Jean or was it supposed to be Madeline? I drew that image and a deliberate hint at things to come. What makes Marvel Legends so special? Just the partnership with Marvel, you know, continuing to work with Jesse Falcon. This is your special guest host, Mr. Sinister. <laughs> you would never put Storm in a ponytail. That would be well, weird. You could, but that would be weird. <laughs> but giving it to Jean kind of made her the girl next door that everybody could talk to. When I met Stan, he was very gracious and 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 very kind. This is the Power of X Men podcast. I am your host, Dayspring. Hope you survive the experience. Welcome to Power of X-Men's Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 5 Recap. And joining us today is one of my favorite cosplayers. Every time the weeklies come out, we blow up each other's DMs because, I mean, I need to know how he feels about Scott Summers accidentally tripping on Adam X and being like, oh, I meant to shake your hand, but I guess I gave you a hug. He's become my favorite person to talk about the X-Men with because he understands so deeply the philosophical implications of Krakoa from a globalist perspective, but also because he's so saucy and witty as fuck. Please welcome back Mr. Scott Free. Thank you. Uh, It's good to be here. I am one of my favorite cosplayers too. So (laughs) thank you for having me. I don't think I've ever been described as seeing things from like a witty globalist perspective, but I'll take it. I'm, I'm glad to be back, uh, you know, with, with, with the deep insights. Well, technically, you know, your episode hasn't aired yet because I'm a fucking neurotic human being. And I think we recorded back in like February and your episode is probably going to be airing in a couple of weeks. And that is genuinely your first appearance on Power of X-Men. Yeah, this is like one of these things where, you know, like I appear like in a, a, an issue and then like, oh, he's in the shadows. And then he's like, oh, yeah, it's like later. And it's like, oh, OK, yeah, that was that's who that asshole was. Yeah, OK. <laughs> You're like Apocalypse in X Factor where he just has that shadow and then he has his like first issue and then he ends that issue by saying, I bid you adieu. Oh, first appearance of Darkseid, one of the biggest DC villains is in a fucking Jimmy Olsen comic. You, you know, you, you just you roll with it. If it's good enough for Apocalypse <laughs> and Darkseid, it's good enough for me. Wait, hold up. Is Mr. Scott Free telling me right now that he has read a Jimmy Olsen comic? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm an equal opportunity, crappy comics reader. So, you know, <laughs> Jimmy Olsen, uh, Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. Um, oh, my God. Some, oh, yeah. Just like, you know, get them, get them all, all in there. Um, just bad Marvel comics from the 70s. You know, Luke Cage shaking down Dr. Doom for his money. Like, these are the foundational stories stories of our genre and like you got to get them well i mean i'm not disagreeing with you at all as a reader of many bad comics i'm gonna cheers to that cheers and listeners mr scott free and i are drinking so if you want to join us for happy hour while you are listening to this recap please feel free to pour yourself a what what are you drinking this is beer it's been around for about eight mm, 
five thousand years Babylonians. Um, no, it's a <laughs> um, um, it's an IPA from a local brewery in New Jersey, uh, River Horse. Um, it's their hypnotizing IPA. Recommend it. Mm. Um, that sounds delicious. I was gonna say it's a nice way to end the week, but it's a Monday, so uh, oh. I have no sense of time. Yeah. It's a nice way to begin the week, is what you're trying to say. Exactly, it's a good way to begin <laughs> the week. Yeah, I basically created a jungle juice. I got a Corona light and some vodka, and I threw in some berries. So yeah, I know I see your face. Ooh, I mean. <laughs> But like, okay, you know, I mean, that, that was a choice. Uh, you made a choice and, uh, you know, it happens. Listen, it's a big episode this week. I wanted to get a little toasty talking to you about it because fucking Elaine is in this episode. Yes. Yes. <laughs> as as uh, Nick Fury's uh, side piece from the 60s. It, it, was, it was wild. Uh, Okay, so I can only call her Valentina from like, and it's like Drag Race. If any of our listeners are familiar with Valentina, that's all I saw when I when I heard her name. She would like to keep the mask on, um, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, the the Countess um, or Val, but don't call her that. Uh, you can call her that in your head, but don't. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I like I, I did not expect like you know Elaine slash uh, President Selena in the MCU, but you know, sure, I'll take anything goes. I, think, I think there were rumors for a long time that there was going to be a surprise cameo, and if you follow any of like the movie vloggers, they were talking about like Grace Randolph was talking about that there was going to be a veteran actor who's going to come in and they're going to play not a major role, but a character that's going to have major implications in the MCU going forward. And I have to say, though, they did. I was not expecting Elaine to just show up. No, like she was not on my list of like potential MCU appearances. I mean, like I, I would guess like, OK, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, like higher than like Jerry Seinfeld or like Michael Richards. But like. I still didn't have like her on my MCU like bingo card, but you know, it was a pleasant <laughs> surprise. What, what did you think? Did you think she delivered in that scene? Um, I mean, like considering, you know, as, as like sort of mysterious woman who's just like putting up a no shit and telling him that like, Oh, I'm going to have like a job for you. I thought she did a really good job. Uh, like, yeah. if you know nothing about uh, who the character is or, you know, like, whatever, like, she does a really good job. Yeah, um, I mean, I thought seeing those heels coming up and I was like, oh, here's a fucking cameo. Who's it going to be? Who's it yeah. going to be? And it was fucking like Julia. Like, I was I was blown away. I really I genuinely was surprised. I was watching this episode because we've kind of rescheduled a couple of times <laughs> during this yeah. weekend, because I've been, a, I've been like a dumbass traveling and I, I was watching this while I was packing. And the second I heard those heels, I was like, there's a cameo. And I turned around and I literally, yo man, I was like fucking surprised by that. You know? 
Yeah, I it was it was legitimately surprising, and um, I thought they did it really, really well. Um, like it, the like I, I don't want to like go too like spoilery uh, with like the character, but it's like she is like an established Marvel character. Um, so it was like, oh yeah, like this is actually like really well done. It's really in character. It's really well you know like executed and um yeah you know it it kind of it clicked did you have to wiki her character after you saw it or did you know who she was because i'm going to be honest with you i didn't know who she was um i heard I, the name everything but i i was genuinely like who is that who that again who that yeah like like i I knew like roughly who she was from having read like, like really trippy, like Nick Fury comics from like the sixties. Um, and, but like, that was, that was years ago. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm actually like 75. So I, I read those when they first came out, but no, um, like I I've, tell. I, yeah. Ooh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You better edit that out. Um, <laughs> but like, <laughs> um, no, she's like, like she, she, she's like an stat. Like I, I knew her from that, but like really not, not a lot more than like sort of the Nick Fury '60s Shield, like James Bond kind of knockoff sort of thing that he had going on. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, uh, but yeah, I, I, I jumped on like wikipedia after that i'm just like oh yeah i remember her yeah yeah like i vaguely knew her name but i didn't really know her history so listeners i know we just dove in deep just now but go wikipedia her if you don't know who her character is but i thought she did a really great job i think she delivered in a way that was just wonderful i i think valentin allegra de Fontaine Dean? Is that is that her name? I, I think it's Fa- Fontaine. Kinda. Is it Fontaine? You see, that's I'm trying to. Soy Cubanazo. I'm here in Miami. I want to be like Fontina. Like it's I'm fucking butchering her name. Listen to Mr. Scott Free because he's always right. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's usually a good idea to listen to me in general um, because otherwise then I'm just talking to myself and um, <laughs> you know I mean that's a choice. Um, but you know, it's like, it, yeah, like it was, it was good to have like a nice, like deep cut. Um, I also thought like earlier episode when they referenced like smiling tiger, who's also like, like D list, like so D list as you, as you can get, I was like, Oh, I know who that is. Yeah. He's a loser. Okay. Um, <laughs> Well, what I love about what they did there with Smiling Tiger was the idea that they took a D-list character and they gave Anthony Mackie a chance to like really shine and show his acting abilities while also delivering a very smart message. Like he looks at the idea and he's like, oh yeah, I do kind of look like him. Yeah. And obviously that's a spin on very deeply problematic racist behavior but it had to come from him. And the way he delivered that line, I thought was, was really great. And I, and I love the line of like anyone who is a black man who's dressed really well does not necessarily mean he's a pimp. 
And I thought that was brilliant. Completely agree. Um, I thought it was really well done uh, just to play on, you know, like a lot of like assumptions and, you know, stereotypes, uh, particularly in that kind of like level of, you know, sort of society and like Madripoor and was really well done. Well, I want to, I, I want to continue going into the episode, but we've already yep. veered off from the, the, the script wildly, I put together last minute, wildly. So here, let me, let me ask you a general question yes. because I know the internet wants these feels from you. How do you feel about Falcon and the winter soldier in general? Um, I have enjoyed it. Uh, a lot um it's and, and like this isn't like a knock on like wandavision because i really enjoyed wandavision but it is sort of like a palate cleanser after wandavision where like wandavision was really um out there just in terms of yeah. like structure and the direction that it went in uh where this feels a lot more grounded yeah. um and i've really enjoyed the sort of more grounded feel. I really enjoyed the focus on like uh, Sam's family and like Bucky's sort of trying to, to like set things right and work out his issues. And um, it's just, it's felt a lot more like grounded and I really enjoyed that um, overall. Yeah. Um, it's been, it's been really good. Um, you know, it, it, it was nice to sort of return to like, a sense of like the broader uh, MCU after WandaVision, which was obviously very concentrated and constrained um, for like plot reasons. And this, this felt like this feels much bigger, but it's also a lot more grounded if that, that makes sense. No, that makes absolute perfect sense. I think WandaVision was a very rich and lush meal and then Falcon and the Winter Soldier, as you just said, is kind of like that sorbet after the main course to cleanse your palate. Yes. And we're kind of back at a very typical MCU narrative. I will say the only thing about Falcon and the Winter Soldier that I'm really caught off guard, and I've said this before countless times, I can't believe how smart it is. Like it's a genuinely smart show about trauma about systemic racism and also about what the world was like pre blip. I get, do they call it the blip? The blip is when they came back. It does it also cover when they were taken away, whatever it, the yeah. world in those five years that, um, that half the population was gone and they sort of had to create a more unified society. And now that things have gone back, you have to reestablish your citizenship. And you have to reestablish those boundaries. And I think you see that level of ideology and that radicalism from the flag smashers, but it's very much justified that they would want to maintain that sort of universal society. Does that make sense? No, that, that makes complete sense um, that you would have people who would sort of like react in that way, when society sort of goes back to normal, um, they actually miss the kind of like more relative like freedom, so to speak, of um, the kind of blip era. Um, but like, you know, like what you said about like, 
some of the the unexpected themes like i think a lot of people expected the show to be very just like punch them up like action um and like you said it's actually been mostly about dealing with like trauma um and like how you know whether dealing with like trauma stemming from like like race and america's very complicated history with race or you know bucky's like personal trauma from decades as the winter soldier um it's it's actually just been really interesting because it's it was so unexpected um you know it's it's like it's also again like in contrast like wandavision like you actually deal with your trauma instead of terrorizing a town in new jersey um <laughs> like wait can you tell our viewers or excuse me can you tell our listeners what you said to me when i was like wow wanda got off pretty easy she didn't even have a lawyer because you know sarah is gonna sue do you remember what you said oh she better get like she hulk because like <laughs> matt murdoch is not gonna get her off like yeah like even, no, even like like you were so saltier you were saltier than that you're like she can't afford she hulk she's oh, gonna yeah, have yeah, to no. get matt murdoch yeah that's right she is going to end up with a Matt Murdock because she can't afford She-Hulk's prices. Like She-Hulk, She-Hulk is like Park Avenue, thousand twelve hundred dollars an hour. Like, Wanda doesn't have any money. She's got an empty lot in a town where she just drove down the property value for like eight episodes. But the property value was already shitty before. It's like a dilapidated town in New Jersey. She couldn't even afford Brooklyn or Queens. Or I'm sorry, Vision couldn't afford Brooklyn or Queens. Yeah, because he's a toaster. Like, I mean, what's, <laughs> what's he going to pay for it with? He doesn't have any money. He doesn't even have pants. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. But like, um, <laughs> it, it, yeah, like, it, there, there are help. This, this is going to set my DMs off. There are healthy ways to deal with trauma um, that don't involve terrorizing uh, small towns in New Jersey. Most of that riff well, was a joke, Wanda Stan. So please don't like come after me. Like I loved WandaVision, all that, you know, Billy, Tommy, it was great. Uh, but like, yeah, I, I, I'm going to get a lot of angry DMs now. Wait, I don't want to dwell on WandaVision too long, but how was it like seeing Billy on screen? Because, of course, you've cosplayed as Wiccan before, and I know it's a character that you've liked. How was it like to finally see him in the MCU? And obviously, we know he's probably going to age up, and we'll get more of him in the future. It was it was like, I, you know, my, my little gay heart, when I saw him in the... Um, like the Halloween costume and it's like, Oh, that's like, it's Wiccan. They're finally like, like doing it. And it was, it was, it was really nice to actually see like characters, um, even if they're, you know, a little different than the comic version um, and the direction that they're going to go, it's probably gonna be a little different, but it was like really satisfying to actually finally see, um, you know, both Billy and Tommy um, just like there and, you know, we know that they're probably going to come back since they're clearly setting up the Young Avengers. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah, I mean, we have uh, Ellie in this episode. We had him in a previous episode. Yep. We have, you know, Ant-Man 3, Ant-Man and the Wasp 3. That's going to set up Cassie. 
I mean, the young Avengers are coming. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, uh, Kate, Kate Bishop. In, oh, uh, that's Hawkeye. right. Yeah. 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 We're looking forward to that. But I want to wait. I, I kind of want some salty reads from you. Yes. And obviously we have John Walker who played a really big role in this episode. I mean, he's been sort of present throughout Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I think in this episode in particular, there was a lot about him. What are your general feels on John Walker? And I always call him Johnny Walker because I'm a fucking drunk, but John Walker, what are you, what are you kind of taking away from him? Especially after this episode where he's put on trial and then that yes. mid credit scene, obviously with him making the shield. Yeah. So like, uh, you know, this, this gives me a chance to like, like briefly recap some of it. So like, you know, the episode <laughs> obviously, obviously opens up with uh, Captain Maga uh, running into, um, Did you just yeah, call him Captain I mean, Maga? like, like some of the, the imagery is a little like, yeah, on the nose. Um, like, you know, he comes in there, you know, he's got the shield covered in blood and then Sam and Bucky obviously show up and are like, well, you just like murdered a guy on like global television, uh, which, you know, Steve, you know, didn't do. And is also like highly illegal. Uh, and he's like, no, you can't. I'm, I'm Captain America. And, you know, like whatever you have to yell, whatever you have to say that you are something repeatedly, uh, it kind of reduces like people's belief in it. So like you don't go up to somebody and just go, Hey, I'm a big deal because then people don't think that you're a big deal. If you have to keep telling everybody that you're captain America, like you're a little insecure, little insecure. Um, but you know, they, a little bit, uh, it's compensating for things. Um, so they, <laughs> so they, they try to take the shield off of him. You know, they fight because he's, very angry and um you know like you said eventually he gets dishonored well not dishonorably he gets discharged from the military um to say you're not supposed to act no benefits no benefits uh which is kind of you know i mean like yeah he went crazy uh but the man did serve his country before that that seemed a little harsh uh and like an easy way to push him into vigilanteism uh, but you know he's he's dismissed from captain america he's dismissed from the military uh no benefits you know no pension no health care um so you know um i i've thought like they've handled him very well um you know the the comic version uh john walker u.s agent um, is a lot more like over the top. Um, you know, he's, he's a product of like kind of like post Vietnam sort of like early Reagan era, like America's back and just like beating up hippies and, you know, um, all that sort of stuff. And like, they've really leaned in on that in some years in the comics where it's just like, he's like a caricature of what like some people on the right think the captain America is supposed to be like, where it's like, you know, like rah, rah, America, America for Americans, like, 
you know, big, angry, hitting people with the shield. Um, and like without some of the nuance, you know, obviously he grows over time, but like, I thought they've, they've really done a good job of portraying him sort of in the current kind of political climate where he fits into the sort of like America first kind of like narrative of like hyper, like aggressive, like screw everybody else. Uh, This is what America means. And you can contrast it to like Steve who, you know, that sort of like greatest generation where like America is, you know, welcoming to refugees and immigrants. America is, uh, you know, like liberal democracy. America is equal rights for all. America is not a guy beating somebody to death with a shield in sort of like public view in this sort of like idealized version of America. And John Walker kind of represents the sort of darker side of America, if that makes sense. Um, And I think they've done a really, they've done a really good job of um, portraying that and, um, you know, a sort of like two dimensional view of America versus sort of like Steve and the much sort of like richer vision of America. And wow, that's, that was a lot like, like more than I intended to go. No, I mean, you're taking us to church on that one. And I, just to piggyback off of what you were saying. Yeah. The fact that John took the super soldier serum and he's not, Steve Rogers, right? And I mean, that's a question that's been posed throughout the series is taking the serum. It doesn't automatically make you a hero. And I think one of the things, again, that I was shocked about with John Walker is how much I empathize with him and how much over the edge he was pushed, especially when Battlestar got killed. And that was like the worst thing that could happen to him. And so when he's killing one of the flag smashers right there with the shield, just going obsessively like that. And by the way, and he would have done it with Anthony Mackie. You know what I mean? Like yeah. had it not been for, you know, Steve, not Steve, um, Bucky coming in. And like, it just really elucidates the fact why Sam is a spiritual successor for Steve and not, Kurt Russell's son, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I I think it's just been really well done. I was shocked at how well done everything in the series has been and what a commentary it has been to recent American politics and society. Like when he was smashing that flag smasher with the shield, everyone had their phone out and they were recording it. And then he's like running into, you know, he runs off and, they're kind of like, hey, just say it was the heat of the battle, everything, because they know that's going to pl- be plastered all over the internet. Just because you occupy a position um, doesn't mean that you're like necessarily, I like the automatic, you, that you're automatically like that person, or you're automatically like 
qualified to be that person. So whether it's being Captain America or President of the United States, um, just being like Trump um, in a position, <laughs> um, like you know, it, it it's it, it you you can see it as a commentary on somebody who has a very different set of values and very different vision of the world occupying a position uh, that, and, you know, just kind of making a balls of it. Like, you know, they're not necessarily like able to handle the position and it goes in ways that people like do not expect and do not like, uh, my my question for what's going on with the series here, it's that publicly, has it been stated that Sam received the shield from Steve? Because in that opening episode, he's at the Smithsonian and he's here like, I'm giving the, the shield back, you know, right where it belongs. And then it's given to John Walker. Yeah. And John Walker is so clearly the wrong choice. Yeah. And as as has been a theme throughout this entire series is that was Steve ever wrong in giving the shield to Sam? Because if he was wrong to give the shield to Sam, then he was wrong about Bucky being able to be redeemed. So my question is publicly, what are people saying about John Walker smashing that shield into someone's face? Are they like, yeah, the government took that shield from Sam and gave it to this like MAGA, like crazy white dude who is like the Donald Trump of Captain America's. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm naturally curious where that conversation is in the universe, because I agree with everything you just said. And the more we, we, we saw last episode and this episode, Sam is the spiritual successor in so many ways to the Captain America mantle. And that's what this show is really bringing to the forefront. Why it is Sam, not Bucky, not someone like John Walker, but Sam. Yeah. uh, I completely agree. Um, You know, I, I don't know like what the in-universe kind of reaction is, but I, you know, if it's anything like our, our real world politics, you have probably, uh, very like mixed reactions to what he did with some people being very supportive and some people obviously being very like horrified by like what Walker um, did. Uh, you know, I, like you're right. They don't really explain. Did like people know that Sam got the shield from Steve? Like I, I assume they do because otherwise it's like, why does he have the sheet? Yeah. Um, it, it is Sam, I'm sorry, what is your opinion on this? Is Sam, like, and, and Bucky, like, they talk about Steve as if he's dead. Is he dead? I don't think Steve is dead. I think Steve is in some kind of, like, retirement community here in Florida. And, and he's watching everything unfold and just, like, shaking his head. You know, like... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just think for, like, narrative purposes they'll never actually say that uh because you know it always gives them like an option to ultimately bring steve rogers back um in some capacity um but 
I mean, I, I would assume he's still probably supposed to be alive, but uh, you never know. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I want to see what's going to happen with that. Do you th- think we're going to get a Chris Evans cameo in, I guess, the next episode since we're in the penultimate episode? Do you think Chris Evans is going to grace this series? If if he does, uh, I would almost be, I would be positive that it's going to be in like a flashback, like Bucky and Steve during like the war. Um, mm. Just, yeah. I, I think it's a little too heavy if you just have like old Steve Rogers come out and be like, oh yeah, this is like, you know, what I intended and you were always supposed to be Captain America and, you know, blah, 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 you know, and then he goes back to playing Mahjong or whatever down in Florida. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, like if, if, like I don't think there will be, but if there is, it'll it'll probably be um, a flashback. I mean, I'm I'm sure we'll get some sort of like cameo in the last one, whether it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. somebody else. Yeah. Well, I don't want to be like a clown, and like obviously with like Wandavision, there were so many clowns out there on the internet, and I don't want to put on any like clown makeup right now. But like, I do feel organically the story in one division should have culminated with a doctor strange cameo not to yes. eclipse any of the other characters at all but i think as a post-credit scene or something like that similarly with falcon the winter soldier they keep talking about steve you know what i mean like he is a presence that is felt throughout the entire series it just feels weird to me from a narrative perspective that he wouldn't be brought in I know, I get it that someone like Chris Evans would eclipse the series and everyone who's involved with that and it turns into like the Steve Rogers, Captain America story. But then why even bother bringing it up? Why not just say like, you know, Steve gave you the shield and then he went off to God knows where. And then just let the story continue without talking about Steve. But like Steve, again, with the therapist in their conversation in John Walker, in that comparison it feels a little bit like they are beating you over the head with that. So like, I do think organically we do need a Steve Rogers cameo or something with Steve Rogers in the end where you see, you're like, I'm glad you got the shield. Something like that. Just something to like quench that narrative. Does that make sense? No, I think that completely makes sense. Um, I, I think that 100% makes sense, which is probably why we will not, get that it'll be like general ross or somebody from the military like you know uh no he's he's not red hulk in this uh but just like oh like oh yeah you were always supposed to be captain america you know uh salute and would you like to join the thunderbolts um but you know like keep it like yeah I, I I I would I would like a Chris Evans like flashback appearance, but I I don't know. So I I want to shift the tide in the conversation to a little bit more of a fun question. Okay. And I'm curious since you are a cosplayer and like yeah. you know I'm a fan of your cosplays. Like I, I think do. you just nail it all the time. Who would you cosplay from this series? Ooh, that's a 
No, uh, keeping you on your toes here. Probably Zemo. Um, Zemo's like an. <laughs> Zemo's like it's it's a really iconic. Um, his appearance in this, I think, is actually really iconic with the like the coat and eventually. I like the. Better. Wait, okay, so help me out here. Do you know where that mask came from? Because it looks like he just went in the back of this like family car and he's you're like, oh, there's that mask. See, I I I think it's because there's in the comics, there's two Baron Zemos. There's the the classic one who fought like the Avengers in the 60s, and I think oh. he fought Captain America in the 40s, and then there's like the current baron zemo and i think it was supposed to be like a nod to like and their father and son i think it was supposed to be like his father's like presumably world war ii era uh or or later sort of like sokovian count mask or whatever <laughs> um but you know i like i that's that's what i think uh i don't know if that's true internet prove me wrong um but um, like, I love like, how you keep inviting the internet to come for your tracks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, at, at this point, like, no, pl- please, please don't, please don't. Um, it, uh, but like, like overall, I think like like Zemo's look in this, where they took his at times kind of ridiculous comic appearance. Um, and just like simplified it, but still kept it sort of like iconic with just like, he still has the same sort of purple mask, but they got rid of like the purple, like bodysuit from the sixties, which, you know, was a look. Um, but I loved that look and I love his look in this series as well. I just, I'm a sucker for like those big collared jackets and just like vintage cars. Like, yeah. Right there. You know what I mean? The, the big sort of commissar jacket. I mean, that's how you know he's from Eastern Europe. And like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really well done. Um, other than Zemo, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I love Bucky as a character. I would, I probably wouldn't like ever do a Bucky um, or Winter Soldier, but. Why not? Are you yeah. not angsty enough to be Bucky? No, I'm, I'm a very <laughs> simple man. Like, there, there's not a lot of angst. Um, I sit here. You are. Like, you're playing. very straightforward. Yeah, you know, cut through it. Um, like I, you know, I, I love the character. I loved. Um, if I ever did Bucky, it would probably this. See, this this combine answers like two questions. Would you ever do Bucky, and would you ever do Captain America? I would do. Um, Bucky as Captain America from like the sort of uh, post death of Captain America era in uh, the 2000s. And like, I, I loved his design as Captain America, but you know, that's getting way off topic. So, <laughs> all right. So, how about another fun question, which is fuck, marry, kill? You can. You can fuck one, you can marry one, and you can only kill one. Steve Rogers, Sam Wilson, and Bucky Barnes. Um, well, I'm going to be strategic with this. Okay, um, go for it. Because I know there's no way in hell I can kill either Captain America or the Winter <laughs> Soldier. 
So, uh, so, so Falcon's getting the chop. Um, Oh, Falcon. um, Look, I'm I'm realistic. I can't I I can't even take Falcons. uh, But you know, that's like (laughs) the the smallest chance there. You know, um, uh, and then I mean, you gotta marry you gotta marry a Cap Captain America, and I guess. You know that that leaves Bucky in the uh, the shag category, <laughs> <laughs> with his like emo ness. Like you just like have sex with him, and then he's crying afterwards. You're like, oh, yeah. And then then you give him like a ten and go go call a cab. <laughs> <laughs> call an Uber, man. <laughs> I mean, he's he's old. Like he's he's old fashioned. You know, he doesn't know what Uber you're is. Right. You're, 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 you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And then, of course, you marry Steve Rogers. I, yeah. I kind of have the same answer as you. I would, I would fuck Sam. I think Anthony Mackie is so handsome. Oh. Like, with that, like, huge smile of his. But, like, it's Captain America. Like, you have to marry Steve Rogers. That's just, you know he's going to be a great husband. I mean, that's yeah. just that, you know. Bucky would be the worst husband on the face of the planet. So... Yeah, like not a lot of stability there, um, <laughs> you know. But you know, I mean, if that's if if like brooding and you know little unstable is your thing, go for it. So, what did you think of Anthony Mackie in this episode? Because I think he had like a really great scene with him going back home, and then him training with the shield, and him also leaving the falcon gear the broken falcon gear with taurus i think it's funny this episode i thought was a lot of setup but at the same time i think a lot happened in it as well and i think a lot happened for sam wilson i i thought like almost all the sam scenes were great where you get to see him you know some of the strongest scenes in the series have been sam interacting with his family um, oh, yeah. And this episode is just like chock full of that, where he's you know working to help get the boat fixed. He's calling in all these like you know friends and neighbors who you know knew his parents to help fix the boat. And you see him you know sort of trying to rebuild this relationship uh, that he had with his his sister. And you know it's you you, you see a lot of just like growth with him trying to like reconnect and you know it it, one of my issues is it was a little disjointed earlier in the series where it's just like oh i'm here to like help you with the boat and now i'm off to like madripoor and it it jumped around a little in the focus on like his family and this really um sort of went in deep on it and you see him you know with like his nephews and then you know like with with the shield um it it was actually after you know we're talking about palate cleansers after seeing john walker beat somebody to death with the shield um it was actually really like cool to see um you know captain america's like chosen successor to be the next captain america basically just like you know actually working with the shield and actually unlike you know walker just like you know beating somebody with it like you know 
really trying to learn how to like use it and you know there's a couple just like iconic shots where he's just like standing there with like the shield and it's like oh yeah this this is captain america this yeah and um like overall like really great sam episode yeah i thought sam really shined in this episode and i'm so excited to see him finally wield that shield and be the captain america that we need that the mcu needs my only thing with falcon and the winter soldier and this was the same complaint i had with wandavision which is and i know i get in trouble for saying this like every episode i always get a couple of angry dms and i'm not trying to light like the internet on fire here by repeating myself but i do think sometimes it could be these disney plus shows so far can be skippable and the reason why I say this is because if you look at the end of Endgame, where he gets a shield, he's hesitant when he's here, like, it feels like someone else's. And Steve is like, no, but it's yours. And he sort of accepts it. That's it. That, that's basically what Falcon the Winter Soldier is. You know, I, I know we're going to see him at the end, like, you know, sort of don the shield and the costume. But you can draw the line from end of Endgame to whatever next movie Anthony Mackie is going to be in. Similarly yeah. with WandaVision, all you need to know that happens there is that now she's called the Scarlet Witch. And I'm sure they're going to draw that line for you in Doctor Strange too. I just wish that the series was a little bit more focused on something else, but it's fine. I get it. This is the first wave of Disney shows. They're getting their feet wet with everything. Nothing major is going to happen in these, yeah. in these like Captain America is not going to come back. Dr. Strange isn't going to make the cameo because I think these are supposed to be for all intents and purposes, like the weeklies of comics. And then the major yeah. like blockbuster events are the end games, are the infinity war, are the age of Ultron, stuff like that. But yeah, um, no, I like, I agree. Like there's, they're, they're building off things from the films, obviously. Um, and like you said, you're not going to have to have seen any of these to go into the next sort of like phase, but it'll just provide more like backstory. Um, like, I don't think like, what are the next ones? Like Loki and Hawkeye and uh, She-Hulk and all that. I don't think they're going to like radically change things, but you're going to see like stuff dropped. That's going to be picked up in subsequent films. Um, so like, I, I agree with you on that, where it's like, I've, I've enjoyed both of the two shows, uh, so far, like quite a bit, but I get what you mean by they're like, they're not like essential. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And, and this is by no means saying, cause I was talking about this with Legion on zoom, like everyone wants to tune in to see what the MCU is going to do next. And I think that is sort of the strength of the MCU is that they're puzzle pieces to a much larger narrative. And I'm yeah. in no way saying that these puzzle pieces they're giving us doesn't fit into a larger narrative. I'm just saying you can draw a line from the end of Endgame to whatever next movie it's going to be. And I, I was kind of hoping a lot more was going to happen in these, in these shows and, and, and to bring it back to WandaVision, you know, I think the idea of WandaVision was that it was going to be the first chapter in a multiverse saga. And it actually felt really contained from a television perspective. It didn't really, I know Wanda is going to be in Dr. Strange too, obviously, but 
it didn't seem like it was the plot of the actual series will carry over into multiverse of madness. And that's, I understand that. I understand the nature of television and I understand Kevin Feige, although like really like a great guy who likes to take, you know, gambles on the shows. I think he, the, this round has been very safe. And I think Falcon, and the winter soldier, though, very smart, very fun. A lot of elements of it are, safe and i i kind of wish that he would get a little bit more messy and be like you know what if you want to understand what's going to happen with you know bucky or sam in the next movie yeah you kind of really do need to watch the show in order to understand that does that make yeah. sense um no that that makes complete um that makes complete sense i think like the the next one that comes out is loki and i think like these three, WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Loki are the ones that have like the potential for like the, the biggest like scope. Because like some oh, of the subsequent yeah. ones, like like Hawkeye, that's like no disrespect to like Hawkeye, but like Hawkeye doesn't operate on like uh you know, sort of multiversal scale like Wanda or Loki, and it doesn't have like global implications like Falcon and Winter Soldier do, or you know, like like down the roads, like like She Hulk and Moon Knight, and like you know these these aren't like don't have the potential to like majorly affect things. Um, may, I I don't know. I mean, like you could have something really out there in She Hulk, but I'm not gonna like hold my breath. Um, <laughs> no, like I'm I'm I'm. The, one of the shows I'm looking forward to the most is like She-Hulk, but I seriously doubt they're going to introduce like, you know, like the Age of Apocalypse or something in like She-Hulk because it's going to be about like, you know, a superhero lawyer, not like... Yeah, you know, I multi- agree. It's probably going to yeah, be more yeah. the Charles Soule She-Hulk than a She-Hulk ripping Vision in Avengers Disassembled or her representing an X-Man. I... Yeah to see where they're going to go with She-Hulk and and some of the other characters there. I do think seeing the success of these shows, they're going to translate that into yeah. the other shows and they'll build upon it. And it, hopefully to a point where like some of these shows are just going to like be very essential. But I don't want to veer off track because we're, A, we're going to have you back for She-Hulk. I mean, that is like hands down. Like, but I'm curious, what did you think? What do, what do you think of Emily Van Camp and Sharon Carter? The theory that has been floating around the internet, which I think we all thought of, you know, a couple of weeks ago already, is that she's power broker. Yeah. And I'm curious what you think, especially after this episode, with bringing back, oh man, I'm forgetting his name. What's his name? Uh, uh, Batrock. Batrock the Leaper. Yeah. Batrock. There we go. So, what yeah, do you, what um, do you make of that? Do we think Sharon is power broker? I think from a television perspective, power broker does need to be a character we've seen, whether it's Sharon, I guess we'll find out next episode, but I want your thoughts on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it makes like sense just from, you know, the characters that have been introduced so far that she is. And, you know, with her at the end of this episode, um, springing Batrock and having him, 
you know, join up with the Flag Smashers. Um, it makes sense, um, just relative to some of the other theories that have been out there. Um, you know, it could be like a plot twist. Um, but like right now, I would say she's the most obvious target. One of the other uh, theories I've heard um, is it would tie in to um, Shang-Chi and that the power broker is actually um, the Mandarin. Um, oh, that would be rad. Which, which would, would like, it would tie into that, but like that to me also seems like they wouldn't introduce like the villain from a movie in a TV show. Um, and like, I think it would just make sense like narratively for it to be Sharon. Although I still think it's potentially not. So I don't know what to think of, you know, like I, I see what you're saying there. I think, I think it's going to be someone on the show. I think Sharon yeah. is a little on the nose to be very frank with you. And if there's anything that Marvel has done, that's, you know, been consistent that they do throw curveballs there. When you think you've kind of figured out something, they'll bring something completely left field like Ralph Boner. But I don't know if it's necessarily a narrative that will carry over into the movies. I'm happy to be wrong. I absolutely am. But I just, given what happened with WandaVision, I'm curious if they're playing it a little bit more safe again this round. Yeah, I mean, it it could also be um, the Countess, which would tie tie some things back in. You know, she knew that, like, Walker took some of the serum and everything. Um, so I, I think that's, that's another like potential and it's a little less obvious than like Sharon, which I, I agree with you is very on the nose. Uh, I don't know if they're going to go like that, just like blunt and be like, Oh yeah, it's the one it's, it's Sharon. Okay. Well, we surprised. we've suspected that for a couple of episodes. Thanks. I'm curious th- thinking of the countess. What what did you make of her statement about the shield and the shield occupying a legal gray area? And you would be in a really great position to weigh in on this. Is it because like what what I thought was because it's made of vibranium and the Wakandans generally claim ownership of most vibranium? Um I think I could see that being like. Did, did they remake the shield for him? So that's the question, right? Because at the end of Endgame, they also gave him he he passed on the shield to Sam, Sam. and it looked like an entirely clean, fine shield. shield. So I don't know what the answer is. I I mean, obviously the shield a very rich history in the MCU and I don't think it ever originated with the US government and that's why it occupies a legal gray area. I think what you just said about about vibranium is a very valid point. I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know what what the what the answer is. I mean the US government claims ownership of a lot of things that um <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the beauty of being the uh, the government, uh, being the sovereign. You can you can do that. But um, yeah, the the shield. 
I, it's, it was an interesting, uh, interesting line and, um, see, see if Wakanda comes knocking or somebody else comes knocking for, uh, for the shield back. So what have it, what are your overall feels for this episode? How do you feel this episode? I, I thought this was one of the best episodes of the, I the agree. Series. I agree. Um, there's a lot of character development for um, for Sam. Um, there's a lot of sort of engaging with uh, some like thorny issues, uh, like the whole Isaiah Bradley uh, bit, which was incredible. Which was, you know, when he was like, here, like let me remain dead. I yeah. was just like the only thing I thought we were gonna get a flashback to him during the Korean war. That's that, that I, I have to tell you it was significantly, it, it may happen next episode, but I was, I would love to see him in action. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's one of those things again, where it's like, if this was a movie, you would have seen the flashback. Um, I just, I don't know if they were just going to go like all out like that in the a show, but yeah, I mean, you could see it like next episode. I agree. I think it would have been, great to have like seen um like the prison um when he busts the guys out of the pow camp rather than just like describing it or flashing back to him even encountering like the winter soldier in the 50s like that would be awesome like like seeing that fight i mean they got the budget for it that's why i was like let's see it happen it's i i thought he had a very what I loved about that was that it's explaining a situation like systemic racism and how it's not really a new thing. It's been something that's been around for decades, even longer than that, and how he was treated versus someone like Steve, you yeah. know, and he was jailed, he was experimented on, and the only way he got out was because someone took pity on him and i just thought it was just so wonderfully done yeah um i you know it's it's really the first one of you know the series has really been the first time since uh the luke cage series on netflix that the mcu's sort of engaged with like these issues and this was i just thought like really well done um and you know, it, it 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 tied in, like you said, to all the historical, you know, like stuff around Korea. I mean, Truman Truman only we only desegregated the military in the Korean War, and it's like, like you know, Isaiah Bradley shows like that's still within like living memory. Like there are yeah. Korean War vets who fought in like segregated units, and it's like this man was a soldier. Uh, he fought for his country and his reward was all this misery. Do you have anything else to say on the episode? The post credit scene um, was really interesting um, with Walker making his homemade uh, shield. Um, and Oh, and this, this, this ties in nicely. Um, there's a really great, uh, actually miniseries right now, comic miniseries uh, about U.S. agent uh, Christopher Priest is writing it. And um, there's a running gag in the miniseries, which I 
fully recommend reading uh, where Walker's shield keeps breaking. And it was all I could think about was, you know, he's making this like homemade shield. And all I could think of was like scenes from the miniseries where he like throws the shield and it just like breaks. And it's like, it's not oh, vibranium. Okay. It's, it's not, not vibranium. vibranium. Like, I mean, you're, you're soldering like your war medals in there, which like, I mean, that's a choice, but like, those aren't, those aren't vibranium. Those are going to come off and like the shield's going to break. So, um, and how deeply symbolic that is, especially for John Walker, that the shield is always going to break. I mean, as, as interpreted from the MCU, which is different from the comics, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like it, 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 it's, it's been really interesting to see people's like reactions to like John Walker, where he's been very like divisive politically, where you've had some people say like, oh, well, you know, it's like it's very like a caricature. And it's like that's sort of the point where it's like when he's first introduced in the comics, he is a caricature and then he gradually like grows into his own sort of like more nuanced character as he realizes that like the world is more complex than sort of this like black and white you know good and evil and you know with like no gray in between and it's like you're seeing this John Walker have to actually start to like engage with that and it's like yeah you know let the character like develop before you come down with these like you know um, you know screaming about it on Fox News or whatever. <laughs> I think it's been such a really rich and very well-rounded interpretation of the character that I, again, was not expecting. I don't know what I was expecting going into the series, but they definitely delivered a character that had roots within the narrative. And I, and I am grateful for that. I think the mid-credits scene Let's see where it goes. For me, that felt like an ending to John Walker in this series and more of a beginning. I don't know if it's a to be continued. I'm happy to be wrong. I mean, I just think about it from a television contract perspective. You want Wyatt Russell in your you know, season yeah. finale, so he needs to show up. But I would be happy if that mid credit scene is the last we see of John Walker in the series and it will be picked up elsewhere oh yeah like i i fully expect him to get like u.s agent series uh you know with somebody like schlockily calling him like oh you're like a u.s agent and he just takes that as like his code name and like fully expect that um but i i agree like if you have him on the cast like it would make sense to have him in the last episode but that really did feel like a like a conclusion um, mm-hmm. but you know, he's still probably going to show up in the final episode and throw like his like 3d printed shield at somebody. So <laughs> did you just call it a 3d printed shield? Yeah. I love you so much. I love how salty you are. Like really? I try. I can't turn it off. <laughs> you can't turn it off. Really? No. <laughs> Constant. Okay, well, I want that saltiness to go into our next segment because we have some listener questions. And of course, anytime I'm like, Mr. Scott Free is going to be on the show, let's do some listener questions. Like, 
the DMs and the answers just, or excuse me, the questions just blow up. So we asked for some hard feels about the Falcon okay. and the Winter Soldier. And there are some other types of responses and questions mixed in here, but for the most part, they're all about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some of these questions. We got a lot. I'm gonna have to curate them a little bit for time. Otherwise, we'll be here for another three hours. But the first one we have is it sucks! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Yeah, I I think it's been a very like nuanced take on like family and duty and like memory um i don't think it sucks um it's definitely you know it's been a very good enjoyable series i agree i think it's been a really good enjoyable series and it's been pleasantly as i said i wasn't expecting it to be this smart and this rich and this um i i I think disney went there with some of the political commentary and i'm happy with it i agree falcon is an annoying character who thinks he is tougher than he really is emoji shrug um (laughs) i don't agree with that at all no i i i think um i i think i can see in in some of the movies he's very he's a little more two-dimensional because you know to be blunt compared to you know, the main sort of Avengers, like he doesn't get a lot of screen time. Um, I think actually the series has done a lot to flesh out the, the character uh, in the MCU. And like, I, I think it's, it's actually done a really good job of building up the character quite a bit. And I, don't know, I, I, I like Sam. I like his character a lot. Yeah, I agree. I don't think the character acts tough in any way shape or form i think he's a very emotionally vulnerable character i think he's a very smart emotionally vulnerable character i think we saw that in the bank scene where he was kind of playing to the bank teller but you can tell he really fucking wanted that loan and i think he delivers when he's on screen i think the opening of episode one we saw that he's effective and he's great so Sorry, I hate to be that person who's here like, eh, you're wrong. But like, yeah, I don't think he's annoying. And I don't think he's acting tougher than he actually is. So, and not wrong to you, but wrong to the listener who sent that in. Sorry, BB. Um, The ending of episode four left me traumatized. I can't look at the shield the same way now. <laughs> um. I can see it in your eyes right now. Well, uh, you know, it, I, I think, you know, if, if that's, it was, it was effective, it's, it's effective television. Um, you know, you, you don't, it, it's, it's a symbol like in universe that people have come to associate with, you know, Captain America and all the, the, the good that the United States stands for. And it's a symbol like out of universe for, again, the same thing, like all the good things that we associate with Captain America and like the shield and, you know, like him punching Nazis and all this stuff. And it's like, it's really like jarring. It's supposed to be jarring to see him just like beating uh, this man to death with like the shield and um, good job, Marvel. Yeah. 
Good job, Marvel. I mean, that is an image that is seared in our brains. Here's our next question. What are his current cosplay projects? <laughs> uh, well, you'll you'll have to just like, you know, stay tuned and find no, out. No, you um, can't do that. You have to give us a little hint. Come on. Just a little micro hint here. Um, I mean, it's, this isn't this isn't like people know oh, well, as I fall out of my chair. Um, uh, that's, that's Wildcat from DC. That um, is. I, you've Instagrammed a photo of that already, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I, I have. Okay. That's that's my, my current like, like, public public. Okay. Plan. So we're going to see Wildcat. Uh, All right. You'll see Wildcat. Uh, I've, I have something else uh, in the works, and that one will remain a surprise. Okay. Okay. That's great. What is it like being a gay cosplayer? I, I think it's a lot like being a straight cosplayer. Um, where, you know, it's... Um, I don't know. I mean, I, like... I'm, try I'm trying to think of, like, a, like, a, like a, a spicy answer to this, but, like, I don't really have, um, like, a good one. Um, it's very sweaty. Um, <laughs> uh, I sweat a lot um, you well know, you don't look like you sweat a lot especially in your photos uh, that's yeah like layers of layers of spandex will do that um, no I mean like I, I, I don't think that's you know there, there, there's definitely like to, to be serious there's, there is like a sub community of like LGBT cosplayers and um it's great because they're overall like very supportive of each other yeah. um like you see a lot of people will like reshare other people's work a lot of us like know each other and you know online and it's just like it's it's a really supportive tight-knit um community and like i've i found that to be like really good um like other than that, it's it's pretty much just like being like a straight cosplayer, uh, except uh, even less carbs, no carbs. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're in the middle of a no carb diet right now, right? I mean, I, I say that and I just killed a beer. So like. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you my my goal is to see you eat a sub in the Krokoan Cyclops outfit. And like, I just want that photo of you. Oh, I mean, sure. Yeah. Like you I'll, need to reenact that. Whatever gets me back on the show. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this next one, I'm going to give you two more. This one is kind of a fun one. Sam and Bucky need to kiss. Sorry, Mr. Scott Free. I don't make the rules. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I agree. Their chemistry on screen has been like, it's been palpable. Like you could like that therapy scene a couple episodes ago. Like, come on. I was even like, just I mean, kiss. I mean, sometimes you just got to break the sexual tension and just, just kiss. Go just for kiss. it. Just kiss. Just go for it. Okay, so the next one is, and I don't know the context of this. We're just going to go with this. Why Emma and not Rogue? Um, 
Why oh. am I not rogue, Mr. Too- Scott Free? Uh, hmm. I mean, if, if, if you're talking in the sort of Cyclops context, um, well, you know, Cyclops uh, and Rogue have never had a relationship. Um, but, you know, if you're doing like that sort of angle, uh, well, I mean, I think the big reason is Emma won't drain the life out of uh, <laughs> and like, you know, I, I love Rogue. I mean, like, great character but you know her power is a little debilitating and um so you know what? i'm just gonna play the question that way and uh i i i have a feeling you know correct me question asker if i'm wrong you might have meant like gene instead <laughs> of, um which which is understandable oh, that's interesting you see i i took it as why Emma, you know, this former villain who can come in and lead the X-Men and still sort of has this stigma against her. And then you have Rogue who comes in, doesn't lead the X-Men, but is universally loved and forgiven. So that's kind of like where my mind went with the question. Uh, but yeah, I, do I you, can see that. Do you remember, I don't, do, you don't collect the Marvel Legends, do you? I Marvel don't. Legends figures. So they had a Wolverine Legends wave a couple years ago, and uh, there is an unreleased Rogue figure that was supposed to be a variant to the Emma figure in that wave, and they call them like psychic parasites or something like that, where like Emma can read obviously people's minds, and then Rogue can absorb the memories. And I've never thought of the characters connected in any way, shape, or form no. until like that image in my head from that Hasbro marketing, but. They're, they're, yeah, like I, I do not really associate those characters together at all, despite them being now like core, um, core X Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's an interesting question, Mr. Scott Free. Is there anything else left to say about Falcon and the Winter Soldier that you haven't already said to us? You know, I, I went in. A little hesitant. I, I called it Bird Boy and Sad Man. And <laughs> you like, did. Yeah. You did. When I when I wanted you for this episode, that's exactly what you said. You're like, I have so much to say about Birdman and Mr. Sad Man. And you know, like it's it's really it's really grown on me. It's been I, I've really enjoyed the show and I'm really excited to see uh, like some of the, the like Loki Loki debuts in like a month or so. Like I'm really excited yeah. to see um, you know them keep the momentum going forward because this more than exceeded my expectations. I have to agree with you. I think WandaVision. I mean, WandaVision. Look, we're clowns, and like the entire internet was like watching. But WandaVision really delivered in terms of engagement and getting people talking. And then I feel like Falcon the Winter Soldier has exceeded storytelling expectations. So I'm with you. Where's Loki going to go? Completely agree. And, you know, maybe it'll turn out that Mephisto's the power broker and like, <laughs> all these p- people will, will finally have a satisfactory answer as to where Mephisto is. <laughs> where can listeners find you on the internet? if they aren't already following you? Because I'm pretty sure anyone who is part of the Power of X-Men community is already part of your 
community as well. Um, you can find me at Mr. Scott Free on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do you know it's funny for whatever reason your notifications are turned on for my Twitter stuff and I'll get an email saying Mr. Scott Free tweeted in defense of Scott Summers or something like that and I'm like I didn't ask for this like why am I getting his saltiness in my inbox well good you should keep those on because <laughs> You, you get what you deserve. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I mean, I got to tell you, your social media presence, it just, it always brings a smile to my face. Like, I love hearing your hot takes. And I think your Twitter is absolutely hysterical. You just kill it every time. Thank you. It's, it's, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's just whatever comes into my head, which is not always good so it's (laughs) just putting it out there all right listeners i am the uncanny dayspring you can follow me at power of x-men on instagram youtube and twitter and i am signing off we'll see you next week